And now, Wolf Bites Open Mic. The Bass Jackers. I just came home actually from tour. Hey guys, this is Phoenix Paul. Hey, what's up? This is Sean Frank. Wolf Bites DJs and your favorite artists. Sophie Francis. Sophie, thanks for joining us today. Hi, it's super nice to join you guys. What's up, guys? This is Ahmed Van Buren. Now, Open Mic. Hey guys, it's me, DJ What The Heck, here for this latest edition of Open Mic. And my guest today is Morgan Page. Morgan, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, where are you right now? Right now, I'm in my studio cave in Los Angeles. Studio cave in Los Angeles. How's the weather in Los Angeles right now? It's good. You know, it's it's always sunny here. Uh, it's, this is still kind of our spring, I guess. So, uh, But, you know, even when the weather's really good, I have to convince myself to stay in the studio and get work done. Yeah, here, we've just pretty much entered full swing of summer, and it's almost unbearably hot out. So hopefully there, it's not wow. quite that temperature yet. Yeah, not quite, yeah. <laughs> so... Coming up, you have a birthday as well, May 31st, but you'll be in Colorado. Yes. Yes. I'm going to be playing uh, the church in Denver, which is really one of those really unique venues. You know, it's an actual church. Wow. That's really cool. That is cool. Well, happy early birthday. Yeah, thank you. Um, And also, in just under a year ago, you became a dad. Yeah. Yeah. So how has been balancing uh, fatherhood with uh, your work life? It's definitely tough. You know, it it takes up a lot of time. I mean, I have one baby that's about 10 months old, daughter, baby girl, and uh, I work at home. So, you know, the reversed schedule, like I call it kind of an inverse schedule of touring on the weekends and that studio during the week works pretty well. But um, and my studio is, you know, it's part of the house, but it's far enough away that I don't hear screaming babies so <laughs> right so that's good but um but it's good i think it makes you refocus your time and your your efforts so um it adds a little extra motivation to make sure you're doing songs that resonate with the world right so it, in worst case scenario you can always just have a little baby scream in one of your next tracks that won't sound too right. bad right right i think that was like a sounds like a timbaland trick or something like this auto tune a screaming baby and that yeah. sound good and also now you have a co-producer if you if you want yeah, my my joke is always like when I, I always like to do Instagram stories of my daughter and me in the studio and mm-hmm. getting her first reaction to a remix and if it gets the thumbs up or thumbs down. <laughs> right, that's the seal but of approval. It it is funny. I've been trying to train her to play piano. Like you, it's good to start early, mm-hmm. and she's gravitated more towards the DJ booth, which is really funny huh. because of all the flashing lights and the, right, the color right. coding and stuff like that. So that's. She started looping stuff. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, I don't know if she just got lucky, like, hitting the buttons, but she really wanted to DJ, and she could care less about playing the piano. So it's pretty funny. Is that kind of similarly how you got into DJing, just kind of around early on? I started really early. I mean, I grew up in Vermont. You know, and I, I lived in a log cabin out in the middle of nowhere, and, you know, we weren't – you know, we were somewhat near the city, but still out between, you know, beyond the suburbs and before the country, and – uh, I got into it with with college radio, mm-hmm. so we were. I was close enough to hear college radio from the University of Vermont, and that's how I got into it. I was started thinking I could. I was naive enough to think I could make the same music that mm-hmm. I was hearing on radio. <laughs> well, it obviously worked out well. Yeah, yeah. No, it's been a it's been a long journey, and uh, I never. I, I think you know, every time I'm up there DJing at a festival or in a club, it's always very surreal when you think about the process of of getting there and it never was a realistic career option. I never thought it would be realistic, right. realistic. So it's, uh, I always kind of have to pinch myself, but you got to earn it. You know, you got to keep earning mm-hmm. that, um, 
that position that you're in. So it's it's never uh, you can never really sit back and just enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, right. Did you have any artists growing up that you really looked up to and or just really enjoyed their music? You know, the first stuff that got me into it was not the underground stuff, but more of this kind of entry level stuff that was like Big Beat was really big when I was getting into it. So Chemical Brothers and The Prodigy and Crystal Method and this major label push stuff that was getting big. That was like the first wave, the first or second wave before EDM was big. Mm-hmm. This is like late 90s and and also into some of the early 2000s. And it was like really big to see uh, these UK DJs like Sasha and Digweed were really big in the US. Just And that was like just getting going, the, the celebrity DJ culture. So I looked up to those guys. Um, I remember getting promos, like having to fax over reaction sheets to London. When I was in high school, I was doing a radio show and I would have to send over these charts every week and because I was doing uh, a radio show, doing mix shows every mm-hmm. week. So got into it super early, um, but it was I did everything kind of backwards. Like I got into music production first, and then started tinkering around with you know the computers weren't really powerful enough, so you really needed more gear. You needed more of an investment to get started. So um, the big limitation was you know how much can you can you spend, and you know buying a, an MPC two thousand to make beats was like you know two thousand three thousand bucks at the mm-hmm. time. So there was a big barrier to entry. So, yeah, I started making stuff with a computer, and then it's funny, it's come full circle back to computers. Like, it went from the computer to all this outboard stuff and synths, and then back to the computer again, now that's powerful. But made the music, did the mix shows, uh, and that led me to working for record labels as an intern, and, and then I slipped in my demo one day. <laughs> and then it, it's all, the rest is history. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and but it's funny that I think everybody looks at the entertainment world and they think, well, cool, you just get a record deal and then you just ride off into the sunset and it doesn't work like that. So, <laughs> you know, it's you, you have to have uh, multiple tipping points in your career and not just one song that does well, but, you know, you need that hit every few years um, and you need to cultivate that, that fan base of your diehard fans. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned Full Circle. You you had a radio show back in high school, but you also have a radio show now, Morgan Page, Music in the Air. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny, and it's crazy. When we bought this house that I'm in right now, the studio's out in L.A., there was a radio station built into the house. Oh, wow. And some guy who was an engineer for Disney, so we actually had to tear down a radio antenna that was attached to the house. Um, but I think that actually helped me. Like I wrote that in the cover letter, like, Oh, I do a show for serious XM and helped me get this house. So, but uh, it is funny cause he was doing a ham radio station, you know, broadcasting to like, you know, 10 listeners or whatever. But, right. but here it's funny because I do the show on my laptop and I just send a Dropbox link in and then that gets converted to the, the servers for, and then sent up to the satellite. So it's this weird circuitous path up to the, up to all this technology, and it's just me in a converted garage. <laughs> well, it's a it's a bat cave, a man cave. That's just really cool. Yeah. I guess it's just me and you for now. Against the world, against the world. Me and you for now. Against the world, against the world. Yeah. So a couple of tracks that I wanted to discuss. And this first one is one of my all-time favorites, um, Against the World. Can you talk a little yep. bit about how you made that one? 
Yeah, that was really interesting. So Michael S. We called that. I think he's renamed himself M Bronx or something different now. He did a song with Audion that was this huge hit on Sirius XM, like the number one song of the year. And um, I had brought Audion out uh, on tour with me for this 3D tour way back in 2013. So I liked his vocals on that track. Um, Audion did such a great job with that mix. Um, I can't remember the title of it, but it's his vocals just stood out to me, and I. Um, and then later on, Armada had reached out to me and said, hey, we've got this song. They actually thought that I wouldn't like it, but I said, send me the demo. And then um, Michael had this version of it already in piano form, so vocal and piano, which is a great way to get the demos. It's, it's good to hear in that sparse form. Mm-hmm. And I thought, because then you can basically remix it. Right. Uh, I thought, let's just let's take this piano motif. It almost sounded like Adele a little bit, and I wanted to, it almost sounded too similar, so I wanted to tweak that add some more club production to it. And it kind of became this sleeper track. Like it wasn't one of my big hit records, but it did really well on SoundCloud. Uh, you know, got millions of plays on there and did well on Sirius XM. But it was a funny process where he had laid the vocal down and we did some backgrounds here at my studio. That's how I usually like to record in person. But uh, sometimes it's nice when the vocal's already locked in and it's it's already there. Well, that was definitely, it might not have been one of your biggest tracks, but it was definitely one of my favorites. Every time I think Morgan Page, the song automatically starts playing in my head. So I, I personally, I loved it. Nice. Yeah, it, it's funny because I think at every show, I try to juggle which songs are going to keep the most people happy. And there's mm-hmm. always going to be some people that are pissed off. But <laughs> but sometimes I forget to play against the world. And uh, I play the obvious hits and the ones people know me for. But, but it's funny because if you've done this music industry long enough you've have enough of a back catalog there's a bit of a struggle to figure out like how many of your songs you put in the set and what do you take out and what's resonating so i'm always juggling with those pieces of the puzzle when i'm putting together what i think i'm going to play during the course of the night you know it's always changing it's always shifting but i try to you know really create a, a journey and a story with the music and make sure everything's mixed harmonically and and the transitions make sense so uh i always try to like make sure i include enough of my own music in there right you mentioned journey out of all of your travels what's been one of the places that's stood out the most to you man well i think you know touring i've toured like for six years in china and Mm -hmm. seeing that scene evolve and seeing how people became educated about like okay this is the drop this is where you you get excited during the build and Mm -hmm. then this is the release of the drop so seeing a place that you know they had clubs for a long time before it was big there and you know there's always been the western celebrity dj or like all the european guys but seeing that that evolve and seeing it grow now even though it's a little more trap focused i think i'm really excited to see what happens more with asia uh i've toured a lot in indonesia um i've played in india before and that was pretty mind-blowing so i think whenever you can kind of shock the system um, and hopefully not shock the system like food poisoning in India or anything like that. <laughs> I, I didn't get that didn't happen to me, but I'm always paranoid about that um, when you're touring. But I love to go and get out of my comfort zone with travel and traveling for DJing is is a gift. You know, it's this. A lot of people complain about it, but it's I love it. I love um, just getting out of being in the same place and and having that chance to play a different city and see mm-hmm. how the music reacts. Yeah, and getting out of the same place, sometimes getting out of the studio, you enjoy trail running. Yes. Yeah, yeah it's a big part of it. I, I will go nuts if I don't get that trail running experience. And uh, I've wasted a lot of money at Equinox, you know, at gyms. Mm-hmm. And I just don't get that 
experience. Uh, I, I got to be running by myself outside in nature, and I just I hate going to gyms. So this is uh, that's what I have to do to balance things out to balance out all that screen time. So I did right. I did the LA marathon once as a sort of a test to see if I could survive that. <laughs> wow. Uh, and that was amazing. I don't think I'll ever do it again. <laughs> well, you survived it. Yeah, survived it. It takes such a toll on your body. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you are you a runner. I do, I do. I I, I don't cool. run. I'm a, I'm a referee for soccer, so every weekend we're we're running a ton actually. Nice. Yeah, it's, I think it's it's good to have that balance because you can. It's very easy to just sit in the studio all day, and right. you've got to ha- keep that blood flow going. So. Uh, here in LA, we're just spoiled with so many fire roads and so many trails. Uh, a lot of people don't realize how much nature there is in LA. Everyone thinks it's just Hollywood and a tourist trap mm-hmm. or the beach, but there's there's so much in between. Uh, it's so many crazy, crazy mountains out here. So it's um, that's been the balance. You know, I grew up in the mountains of Vermont, and I, I brought that with me here. So, but that, that's been a fun part of it. Uh, you know, doing both. And actually, when I go run, I don't even listen to music. That's kind of the funny thing. I listen to podcasts. Oh, podcasts. Is, yeah. is, is that where you kind of get some brainstorming ideas maybe for some new tracks and go run? Yeah. 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 You know, ideas for tracks, ideas for the, the quick tips that I do. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. seen the sort of the music education stuff yep. I do, but, um, you know, it's knowledge compression. It's really taking, creating bite-sized tips out of my experiences in the music industry and so I listened to a lot of stuff like, like Tim Ferriss' podcast and James Altucher and How I Built This with Guy Raz. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I love all those entrepreneurial podcasts and life hacking podcasts. Right. But it's kind of killing two birds with one stone. Yeah. Ex- exercise, coming up with songs for the produce. So there you go. Don't tell Gone My Way? Did you get any inspiration when you're out running for Gone My Way? No, it's funny. I get more... I think when you're running, you sort of jostle these ideas loose of... And it's really just repetitive motion exercise. So whether you're taking a shower or going on a run, uh, that that movement sort of sets these ideas free. And it's not really ideas for... Not so much ideas for songs. It's more maybe business ideas. Mm-hmm. Um but I think that that work helps you in the studio to access that creative flow better. So if you're exercising enough um, and you're working in the studio, you find that you, you'll hit that flow state faster. Mm-hmm. So I might not have concrete takeaways for ideas like a hook for a song, but uh, if it does happen, I, I, I stop and then record it in a voice memo because uh, I'll forget everything. So I have to write things down. The music video for Gone My Way just recently dropped too, didn't it? Yeah. How, how was making that video? That was cool. You know, it's like, I think we used a lot of, we used some drone footage. It's just surprisingly more effective than I thought that you could, <laughs> you know, we did it for some tour recap videos too, where it's like, it looks so cinematic and it looks like you're almost using stock footage. It's like, no, no, we actually got that with a, you know, a decent drone. So I think with that, we wanted to add some more shuffling to go my way. I was pushing for that, but it ended up being a little more of, this girl's journey, breaking out of relationship, being on her own, and and sort of using nature and the landscape of nature as a metaphor for that. Your other track, Collusion. That's right. That's uh, that's my my work with the Russians, and I thought 
<laughs> we were kind of worried at, at first. I was like, you know, I don't know if Russia has a sense of humor. Like, I don't want right. to endanger these guys. I'm, you know, nobody really cares about a dance music track and, and the government. You know, I, I think it's pretty low on their priority list. But um, Swanky Tunes are from Russia. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, we have to call this collusion if they'll let me. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, obvious reference to Trump. And uh, it just had a little had a feel, had this epic feel to the track of something uplifting but a little sinister in there. So I thought it was a good name. And it's tough when you have an instrumental without a vocal. I mean, there's a little uh, vocal in there for texture and for melody, but there's no lyrics, right. no real lyrics in there. So it was. it's always a challenge to come up with a title for those when you don't have a key phrase to work around. But mm-hmm. with that, it was that felt like the right fit. How was working with Swanky too? It was great. You know, I we didn't do it in person. We just basically swapped stems back and forth, and uh, we would say it was kind of an equal division of work because uh, I'd send over this, something, they'd say they like this, they don't like this, and it was really fifty-fifty split of us going back and forth, uh, and it took a lot of work, but but it moved quickly, which is always good. I hate when tracks drag on. That's that's my least favorite part of the process mm-hmm. when you're. You've heard it too many times, and you can't see the forest for the trees. Right. So this this moved pretty quickly, as did the Gone My Way collab. Did uh, your remix for Ava Max's Sweet But Psycho go pretty quickly? Yeah, that was that was good. I think they're at APG. You know, they were handling all the remixes, and they are very picky about every little note in the remix. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they it took a little while to go back and forth with feedback, but that I think usually your best work gels quickly and that doesn't mean if it's not happening quickly it won't be good but uh with a remix the work process is so much faster than doing an original so you know within a day if you're if it's clicking and then you just run with it and then the rest of the time is spent doing tweaks to the automation and polishing the atoms and so how do you pick a song that you would like to remix uh usually i'm approached so someone will contact my management and say hey we need a remix of this for dance radio. And then we kind of find out like what they want to achieve with the remix. Like that's actually really important to ask. Uh, Cause it would suck to do this festival banger mix for somebody. And then they say, Oh no, we want this more for radio and yeah, for streaming. Right, right. <laughs> so I can do both kind of mixes. I'm capable of doing both. And, um, you know, I've learned from my remixes that have been successful in the past. And I've learned from my failures. You know, I did a remix for Daft Punk mm-hmm. and, uh, they i totally went the wrong direction with it i didn't i should have followed my gut and done something more musical and it ended up being i wanted something i did something more tough and club focused and it was totally the wrong move whereas you know doing a remix for stevie nicks i did once they wanted it to sound more like the original and be really faithful to use all the instruments so i did that made them happy But uh, it's a juggling act, so you've got to um, you've got to serve the song and bring it, elevate it, bring it to a new level. Mm-hmm. Um, but also be respectful of what they need it for. So yeah, typically I won't. You know, sometimes there's cases where I will seek out a remix because um, I'm really passionate about it. Like I love 
I love this Medusa track, uh, Peace of My Heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I might just do my own remix of it. Like they didn't ask me to do a mix, but I might right. just hit the acapella and then work on something. Right. So up and coming, which is actually it's going on right now. Your summer tour is currently going on. Yeah. Yep. So like we said, it will be May 31st, your birthday. You'll be in Denver, Colorado. Is there any other stops along the way that you're really looking forward to in particular? Yeah, let me double check. There's so many. I, I don't even keep a list in my mind. I live week to week. I think that the big um, thing that's happening this summer, you know, I'm back at my residency at Daylight at Mandalay mm-hmm. Bay. So June 8th, I'm going to be there. And then June 14th, I'm doing Paradiso at the Gorge, which is one of the best mm-hmm. uh, festival venues. I think Red Rocks would be number one. Gorge would be a close number two. Uh, so that's obviously it's an awesome one. It's, you know, it's a solid three-hour drive from Seattle, but you're out in this almost like desert-like landscape in the middle of uh, Washington State. Uh, but other than that, you know, just going around North America, doing D.C., Chicago, more stuff in Vegas, more in New York, uh, playing a lot of shows in Houston. So they're all highlights. You know, I love to just hit up all these spots. Um, Texas is always has the best crowds for some reason, always mm-hmm. the loudest crowds. Um, Everything's bigger they, in Texas. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's always been like that. They've been, they were early to it before EDM was big. Um, both Canada and, and Texas, uh, and I kind of lump together Canada. There's so many different markets, but, but they are, they were into it earlier. And when you go to all these places, of course, you're going to be finding trails to run along the way, aren't you? Usually, you know, I try to find, I, I, my game that I play is when I get to a city, if there's time and if it's not in the middle of winter, I try to find some sort of green space and, like Dallas has this cool trail that, you know, it's such a concrete jungle there. It's the worst pedestrian city in the world, but I mean, maybe next to Beijing, but mm-hmm. there's this one amazing, I think it's called the Katy trail, like in the middle of the city. Mm-hmm. So I try to find something like that. Um, if I can, uh, but usually I will do most of my running here and I just like the solitude and, and knowing where I'm going. I try to run a different trail, I try to mix it up so I'm not doing the same trail every time. Right, right. Well, Morgan, that is just about all the time we have. I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. Yeah, great. Thanks for having us. Awesome. Cool. All right. Well, Morgan, have a great time and happy early birthday again. Great. Thanks. All right. Thanks. Thanks.